My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. This morning, my sermon is titled, The Good Fight, and I will be speaking primarily from the passage we heard read from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 19. Out of all the scriptural analogies or metaphors that our culture is increasingly uncomfortable with is the language of warfare, the, the, the language of battle, the language of fighting. Fighting is generally seen as something to be avoided at all costs. And generally speaking, you do want to avoid fighting if you can. But there are times when fighting may be necessary. There may be a time where we have to resist against evil being done towards us. Many years ago, uh, I had a friend when I lived overseas. We're, we're still friendly. I haven't seen him in many years. And uh, his name was Marco. And one day, I was driving to Marco's house because we were going to watch a Tyson fight. This is a while ago. And so this is when he, Tyson was at his prime. This is, you know, towards the end of his, his, uh, his career as a boxer. So I was driving to watch it to, to my friend Marco's house. I was watch, we were going to watch the Tyson fight, which is great. And if you know anything about Tyson fights, Tyson always knocked, generally speaking, could knock people out very, 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 very early in the match, right? So you wanted to make sure you saw the whole thing. So I was on my way there, and um, as I'm driving, I'm coming down a hill, a car, because I was overseas, so they drove on the other side of the road, a car comes from this side to turn and to merge, and so I'm in this lane, I see this car coming, they don't look, they don't stop, they don't do anything, they just shoot out like this, and I swerve, but they sideswipe me like that and hit me off of the road. And so I'm able to kind of bring the car to a stop, avoid a light post, stay on like the, push me up on the sidewalk, avoid smashing into a wall, and I was able to bring a car to a halt, which of course, you know, it's very loud. So the person pulled off on the other side, and uh, I got out of the car, and I went over, and it was uh, a young girl who was driving, and she was very shaken. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, and she didn't say anything, because she's just sort of in shock. So I went back to my car, and uh, um, I called my friend, and I was like, hey man, I just got into an accident, so I'm not going to be able to come to the fight, to watch the fight at your house, at least until this thing is done. He's like, yeah, okay, man, that's it's, it's fine. I totally understand. While he's say, talking to me on the phone, some guy from like a, a house next to that one comes out, and he's like, it's your fault. And I'm like, hello, who are you? Nice to meet you. Uh, did you see the accident? He's like, no, but I know it's your fault. You came and you hit her and you came off the... I'm like, you didn't even see it. So why... Leave me alone. And he's like, no, it's your fault. It's your fault. And so my friend Marco says, is somebody bothering you? And I'm like, yeah, some guy who, um, you know, he, he, he says it's my fault. He won't leave me alone. He's just hassling me. And uh, he won't go away. He didn't see the accident. He's just bothering me. And so I'm like, but it'll, it'll be fine. And he goes, I'll be right there. And he hung up. <laughs> he lived kind of far. He gets there in about 15 minutes. And as he gets out of the car, the guy's still hassling me about the accident. My friend, he gets out of the car and he goes, 
are you okay? What's going on? And the guy sees him and turns around and goes back into his house and doesn't come out until we were able to clear the accident. Here's the thing about my friend Marco. Marco was the biggest, the toughest, the baldest man that I know. He used to, uh, he used to fight in Thailand, Muay Thai semi-professionally. And he was huge. And he came out of the car wearing like, you know, he was just laying around the house, like shorts and a t-shirt. He gets out of the car. Are you okay? Who's bothering you? Right? He's prepared. Right? Who's, who's hassling you? And the, guy, and the guy leaves. And so we had a laugh about that. And then yeah, he got his car, went home, and then um, I dropped my car off the tow truck and went home. See, the thing is, he showed up ready to help me. Okay? So if a fight had come in that circumstance, it would have been because somebody was bothering me and he was looking out for me and my safety after having experienced a car accident. Okay? Fast forward to a, a confrontation I had with uh, somebody I, I'm still very close with. And we were so angry at each other that I, was, I, wanted, I wanted to fight, right? It doesn't happen often. I wanted to fight. And so I'm pushing him, I'm pushing him, I'm pushing him to fight. Fortunately, we don't, right? But if we had fought, that would not have been a good thing. That would not have been a good fight. That would have been a very bad fight. And it would have, we both would have gotten hurt and resentment would have, would, have, would have entered our relationship. That would have been a very bad one, right? So good fighting, bad fighting. And here in St. Paul's words to, uh, to, to Timothy, he says to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. But before we talk about what fighting the good fight of faith is, before he even says fight the good fight of faith, he says in verse 11, flee these things. And so we didn't hear the previous verses, so we ask ourselves this morning, what are these things that we're supposed to be fleeing? We'll get to the fighting in a second. Talks a little bit about fleeing. In chapter 6, earlier, St. Paul says there's people running around teaching a different doctrine, contrary to what was taught by Christ. And Paul says those false teachings do not lead to godliness. Right? So it creates for us this thing that there are false teachings that do not lead to godliness, and there are true teachings that do lead to godliness, the teachings of Christ and his apostles. Those whose teaching lead to ungodliness are full of pride. They do not understand what they're talking about. They have an unhealthy craving for controversy. They have an unhealthy craving for quarreling and slander and being depraved in mind and in truth. And this culminates with them believing that godliness is a means of gain. And this gain can be materialistic in nature, but can also be a gain in social status. Many misused the gospel, even back then, for warped purposes. So what is Timothy supposed to do in his own community? He's supposed to flee, and he's supposed to fight. So to flee something we know means to, to run away from something, to put as much distance as you can, as quickly as you can from something. If you don't do so, then you'll be overtaken by something that you do not want. Interestingly, Paul doesn't say to Timothy, quietly back away from people preaching different doctrines and controversy and quarrelings and those who are stirring up trouble. He says flee from them. Now he doesn't mean, hey Timothy, if you're walking down the street, 
you know, and uh, you see Donna, I want you to like run the other way from her, I need you to flee Donna. Or if I'm walking down the street and I see Jeanette, I need to turn around and jump on the other sidewalk and go in the opposite direction. That's not what he's necessarily talking about. Fleeing could mean a physical distancing, but it's an also an inward distancing. It's the cultivation of our heart so that when we are confronted by things we see, or we are confronted by people who maybe make us angry, right? We are not drawn into conflict. It's important to flee at times because as human beings, what we believe matters because our beliefs generally shape how we behave. And these false teachings gnaw at the root of godliness because false teachings are meant to undercut our pursuit of holiness because our pursuit of holiness is enacted in our behavior. If we can change the meaning of scripture, then we're not really bound to obey its teaching. If we can use scripture to justify what is wrong, then we don't have to take its claim seriously. We are to flee from these things. We are to flee from those people who teach these things, who live these things. The second thing, he says, is to fight the good fight of faith. And this is the part where everyone's like, yeah. The question would then be, what is the good fight of faith and how do we fight it? One thing we have to remember that as Christians, our battle is not against human beings. This can be tough because it may feel like it's actually the opposite of that. Because we have to understand though that whenever Christians are persecuted or mocked or oppressed, even though a person might be doing it, it's not originating from that person. That persecution, the mockery, the, the oppression is not coming from them directly, but from the demonic influence that person is under. St. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 too, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So then we say, how do we fight the good fight of faith? The way that we fight is twofold. We pursue godliness is the first way. And by pursuing godliness, we are also pursuing righteousness, he says. Faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And we do all of this, brothers and sisters, so we can take hold of what he says in verse 12. That we may take hold of eternal life. That may sound odd to us, that eternal life is something that we are working to take hold of. But he says it again in verse 19 about storing of treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the future so that we may take hold of what is truly life. See, eternal life is a reality that we live in partially at the moment right now. We understand when we die, when our bodies and souls are separated, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. But that is not the end. As Christians, we affirm the resurrection of the dead, as we will confess in a few moments in the creed. Eternal life is still something we are moving towards, something that we are still striving towards. And so the way we fight is by pursuing godliness. By pursuing faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. 
The other way we fight is by following Christ's example, by Christ's testimony. If we are to keep ourselves, if we are to fight, then we fight in the same way Christ fought. His victory is our victory. In the presence of Pilate, Jesus did not fall fearfully before him and beg to be released. When Pilate asked Jesus, are you a king? What does Jesus respond with? It is as you say. My kingdom is not of this world. Jesus was unafraid in the face of Pilate and what he could bring against him. And Jesus was unafraid of the religious leaders and what they could bring against him. And this is a great example for us, brothers and sisters, as his followers. Because to the eyes of the world, Jesus was just another persecuted, another person executed by the Romans. But as Christians, we know that on the cross, he displayed his victory. Not only over the Romans, but over sin, death, and Satan, and all the forces, and all the wickedness, and all the evil, and all the sin that we as human beings participate in. As Christians, we await for his appearing and we fight and hold fast until his appearing when he will display himself to all as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, as Christians, fighting doesn't necessarily mean I'm bringing it against somebody else. I'm ready to throw down with somebody else. For us as Christians, the way we fight is by realizing we are not fighting against people. We are fighting against the evil spiritual forces that are behind them and control them and are in them. And so we fight by pursuing godliness, right? By living our faith. And then we also fight by standing the way Christ did. By not running away. When Pilate asked him, are you a king? He said, it is as you say, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus did not lay aside his testimony. He did not cringe. He did not falter on his way to the cross. And that is how we stand and fight as well. By being steadfast. Commenting on this portion of scripture, St. John Chrysostom said this, There is need not only of profession, but of patience, also to persevere in that profession, and of vehement contention, and of numberless toils, so you will not be overthrown. For many are the stumbling blocks and impediments. Therefore the way is straight and narrow. It is therefore necessary to be self-collected and well-girt on every side. All around appear pleasures attracting the eyes of the soul. Those of beauty, of wealth, of luxury, of indolence, of glory, of revenge, of power, of dominion. And these are all fair and lovely in appearance. And able to captivate those who are unsteady and who do not love the truth. For truth has but a severe and uninviting countenance. And why? Because the pleasures that she promises are future. Whereas the others hold out present honors and delights and repose. Though all are false and counterfeit. That is powerful. That is powerful. Because the way Christ stood is the way that we stand. The, our profession of faith will be tested by the pleasures that attract the eye of the soul. Beauty, wealth, luxury, indolence, glory, revenge, power, dominion. All of these things that the world offers us. These are all of the things that Satan offers to Jesus in his own temptation in the wilderness. I will give you all of these things if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, it is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. All of the pleasures this world offers are transitory. 
and all of the pleasures that the truth offers are future. And it's difficult to hold out <laughs> because all of those things offer immediate fulfillment but lead us not to grasping to eternal life but by letting go. So we can ask ourselves, brothers and sisters, the way we live, is it leading us to increase in godliness and in holiness? Are we living in a way that increases our faith, our hope, and our love, our worship of God, our, our caring for one another, our loving our neighbors as ourselves, our living in the expectation of the age to come? And then we can also ask ourselves, when we come to church, do the things that we are hearing from the pulpit, the hymns that we are hearing and singing, the creeds that we are confessing, do these teachings lead us to godliness? Do these teachings lead us to an increase of faith and hope and love? If not, then what are we doing? And if you ever go to a church where teachings don't lead to godliness and an increase of faith, hope, and love, don't go back. Don't go back. And let us flee when necessary, but let us hold fast and fight the good fight of faith when it is necessary. And let us, like our Lord, not give up our profession, our confession. And so to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone dwells in unapproachable unapproachable light, who alone is worthy of all honor and eternal dominion, him be the glory together with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.